We'll be starting in verse 21. <clears throat> but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who puts His faith in in Jesus. The Word of God for the people of God. So I have to start with a little bit of a question this morning, because I know this can be a, a controversial topic, and I know that uh, I'm going to talk about much harder controversies in this, in this message, so I figure I'd start with a light one. Um, how many of you guys are playing Christmas music already? Nobody, huh? I started this morning on my way here. <laughs> I have a, a Christmas album that I basically have on repeat every single year um, that I, for whatever reason, started this morning. I usually don't start until after Thanksgiving, but this morning, for whatever reason, I, I just felt like I had to, I had to start up. So these last two weeks, we've been watching Paul kind of build a foundation, right? For our sermon series, sure, but Paul is really laying the foundation for our entire faith in these first two chapters. At the end of chapter 1 and moving through chapter 2, as we covered last week, Paul was showing how every single one of us is deserving of God's wrath and His judgment upon us, both Jew and Gentile or religious or non-religious. What was explained in these two chapters was, was extremely bad news, right? We have failed to live up to the, to the standards of God. And it doesn't matter how good that we try and be, we'll continue to fail. And there's no way around that on our own. We've talked about that before, that this notion of human beings being inherently good really has no merit biblically. The Bible teaches the complete opposite in a majority of texts that you would read when you talk about humanity. We're all sinners and deserve the just punishment. And that's a, that's a painfully true statement for a lot of us to hear. And I hope that it's something that, that you may have thought about more over this week as you started to read through chapter 3. And it's, it's just, it's, it's bad news if you just leave it there. But remember what I said last week. We need to hear the bad news in order to get the good news, right? I don't know if there's anybody else like me where every time that that option is placed in front of you, you always take the bad news first because it just makes that good news so much better when you actually hear it. It just seems to, to make life a little bit better sometimes in those moments. So here in verses 
In these verses that we read this morning, we start to see a turn, right? So look at verses 21 through 23 with me. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul is starting to shift here towards this good news. And it's some really great news when we think about it. Paul is going to start breaking down this doctrine of justification by faith for us. How we can be made right with God when all we do is sin against him. And there's only one way that's possible, as our text reads this morning, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's an important point, I think, especially today, to say that you are saved from wrath by God, by grace, through your faith in Jesus Christ. The gods of other religions aren't going to save you, right? They aren't real gods. It's that, it's that passage that I like to quote all the time that I'm pretty sure I've quoted more since I've been here than I, I ever actually have, and that's John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this idea that floats around these days that all religions will end up leading you to God is just not true. The God of Hinduism isn't going to lead you to the Father. The God of Islam isn't going to lead you to the Father. Buddha isn't going to lead you to the Father. The only one that will lead you is Christ. And I want you to notice here that Paul says that there's no longer any distinction when it comes to those who can have faith in Jesus. God can show mercy and grace and give salvation to whoever he wants either Jew or Gentile, there's no difference now like there was before Christ. There's no separation of these two groups. There's no separation of any group when we really think about it. No, not on the basis of, of race, of biological gender, which I still think is amazing that I have to say it that way nowadays. Um, there's no, no separation on nationality, right? This righteous is, righteousness is available to all who believe. And I've said it once and I'll say it again, in this text, all means all, right? The Greek word here, pas, literally just means all. It doesn't mean some. It means all that who generally repent and profess Christ as Lord will come to salvation in his name. And we'll read more about that in Romans 10. Verses 24 and 25, those who are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This term justified here, um, it's a legal term. And what it means is that when you put your faith in Christ, you are declared not guilty in the heavenly court. You are seen as, as righteous by God. Not by anything that you've done, but by the work of Christ. Jesus takes his sin, or takes your sin upon himself. He takes the charges that you should have held against you. And he took the punishment 2,000 years ago on the cross. 
And I, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about that, the only way that I can really think about that is a gift. I mean, think about it. In, in our wretched, evil, sinful nature, we would have absolutely no ability to please God. I've read it before from Isaiah that our good works are just nothing but filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. We have no ability to, to even come to him in our sin. But by God's grace, which is completely just unmerited on our part, we are made able to, to accept what Christ offers us, which is total, forgi total forgiveness and a slate wiped just completely clean, not a single sin to our record whatsoever. So here comes the first controversial topic. Well, technically the second, I guess. The topic of Jeffrey Dahmer has come um, back into popularity recently, right? And that's because of a TV series that came out recently about him. And the reason for the controversy is that when he was in prison, now this is according strictly to him, um, he accepted Jesus as Savior due to a chaplain that gave the gospel to him. Now, what do you think that the question here becomes from the culture? Question becomes, is, is Jeffrey Dahmer forgiven, right? Is Jeffrey Dahmer, even with everything that he did, is he saved? And my friends, even, even though it feels completely foreign to us, and it would just it just feels completely wrong to say it right if Dahmer truly accepted Christ if he truly repented of his sins no matter how massive that they were and began to live a life for Jesus every single day then he was saved The answer is, if he truly accepted Jesus, he will be in the kingdom with us. And we will praise God that he is in the kingdom with us. Because that means that God's grace can even cover the sins of a man like that. That means that, that Jesus' blood can, can blot out the iniquity of even a man like that. And I think that, that we need to realize that even though it's so foreign to us, what it does is glorify God. That somebody, even like Jeffrey Dahmer, can be saved. Now, with that, comes the next part that can be pretty controversial. And that would be in mostly theological conversations, but I think that it is important to talk about, and that is the blood. It's caused some contention, to say the least, between believers about what we should mean when we talk about the blood of Jesus. I want to be clear about something. My position on the topic is that the blood of Jesus is, is obviously a precious thing, right? So the blood of Jesus is precious because of who Jesus is. But, and that's, that's where the controversy comes in, is that word but right there. There is nothing 
that is that is there's nothing about the actual bodily fluid of Jesus that saves you. Okay? And let me explain that a little bit. I believe what's being said here in this text and in every other place that the blood of Jesus is mentioned within the New Testament, that it's really talking about the shedding of blood, not the blood itself, right? So Jesus' death as the perfect sacrifice is what covers your sins. It's not the, the literal blood that came out of Jesus when his skin was punctured. And we find this all over the Old Testament, that it's the shedding of blood, not the blood itself that covers the sins of Israel. So when the spotless lamb is sacrificed, it's not the blood itself that's covering the sins, but it is the death of the lamb that covered it. You can go back to the garden in Genesis 3 after Adam and Eve ate from the fruit. And God's, in Genesis 3 says, The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This was the cover of them because of their sin. Right? Blood needed to be shed, but God didn't pour blood over them to cover them. It's same in the case of Jesus. The plan from the foundations of the earth was that Jesus would die for the sins of humanity, just like the animal in the garden covered Adam, Adam and Eve, just like the animal sacrificed in the temple. And that death of Jesus in nothing else is the perfect sacrifice, the perfect atonement for the sins of humanity. And that's something that has caused a lot of controversy in a lot of circles when that topic comes up. Um, but I thought it would be a good time to kind of to let you know where I stand on that thing. And I think when you take the whole, the whole Bible in and use that as context and not just use those certain texts, then you see that it is the the death of Jesus and not the literal blood of Jesus that covers those sins. And I know this has sounded uh, very Bible study-ish this morning, for the most part. But the problem is that this is a very deep theological text. And since I know that I have limited time, especially this morning, I'm kind of trying to bust through it as fast as I can with being as thorough as I can at the same time. But before we go to the table this morning, the main thing that I want you to take away from today, even if you forget everything else that I've said, though I think the Dahmer thing is probably going to stick in most people's heads for a little bit. Um, I want to be sure that you remember this, that Jesus died for your sins. And I know that you'll say to yourself, yes, preacher, we know, what, we know this, we're here at church, we know that. But do you know that the love that that really takes? Jesus willingly coming off his throne next to the Father in the heavens and did what you could never do for yourself. Right? He comes into this world as just a small baby. He lives a perfect and blameless life and is brutally killed for you to cover your sins so that the Father would see you the way that he sees him. And that's completely blameless. So that by that death, 
And by that resurrection, God could judge the world justly. And all you need to do to, to receive that vision of holiness from the Father is, is to put your faith in Jesus. Your faith alone. That's all that it takes. It's the truest form of love that you could ever receive. And that is a gift from God. I want to end on this. It's an illustration. A lifeguard was on duty one day when he noticed a, a man in the pool was in trouble. He dove into the water and he swam out to the struggling man, stopping just a few feet from him. From this short distance, the lifeguard realized that, that he was a large man. Not wanting to be taken underwater, the lifeguard considered the situation for a moment before he swam to him. Not only was this a large man, but he was also trying to save himself. He was afraid. He was, he was swinging his arms sporadically. He was panicking in the water. The lifeguard continued to tread water at a distance, not because he didn't care about the man, but because he was waiting for the man to stop trying to save himself. He knew he would be unable to save the drowning man as long as he was trying to do this on his own, insisting on his own strength, relying on his own abilities. Finally, the man's energy left, and he had no more fight in him. When he stopped beating around in the water, stopped leaning into his own understanding, and stopped using his own methods, the lifeguard took over. The lifeguard worked his way around to the man's back, reached over his shoulder, cupped the chin under his hand, and put, the el put his elbow in the middle of the man's shoulder blade. This allowed the, the man's body to come closer to the surface of the water and rest on the hip of the lifeguard as he swam to the edge of the pool. Even though this was a large man, the rescue was possible because he was resting in the strength of the lifeguard. Don't be like the man in the pool. Striving to do all the right things as, as you want to be seen by God, so you're doing all these good things that, that you think are going to make you righteous. Your efforts are going to drown you. Stop fighting. Stop resisting the work of God in your life. Stop fighting the Holy Spirit when all he's trying to do is be an eternal lifeguard for your soul. Rest in Jesus. He's the only one that, that, can, that can save you. He's the only way to be seen as righteous before a holy God. Accept that, that great gift that God is offering you. Don't hold off on it anymore. And when you do, remember that, that it's not you that is deserving of, of glory for that. He is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. He deserves all the credit. He deserves all the glory. We need to rest in the strength of the Lord. Amen.